This is it. It's that time of the week. It's a healthy obsession. Myself, Adam Thurwell, and my co-host, Tom Hurdle. Yeah, you, you all right with this? What's going on? It's good stuff. Yes, welcome everyone. Presented by Small Goal Soccer. Presented by Small Goal Soccer, Brat. Yeah, drum roll. All right, so... It's going to sound terrible. Ah, it's going to sound awful. <laughs> We've got a special guest this week. Returning to the podcast is the North American football expert himself, Mr. John Arnold. He's going to be joining us for the second half of the show. We are covering loads of different football bits with him. He knows nearly everything about football, right? Would you say that? Yeah, and before that first half of the show, myself and Tom are going to be talking a bit of Premier League football. Gareth Bale coming back to Tottenham. Going to be talking a bit about Leeds and their swashbuckling style of football, which everyone seems to be enjoying, but it's probably going to fall off a cliff. And what else do we talk about? Starting our own pirate podcast radio station. Pie or pirate? Pirate. You can't even say pirate without saying pie. On the mind. Pirate. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> We're in Adam's dining room. No, it's the jungle. The jungle. Yeah. Well, we got kicked out of the studio. It could be a jungle gym. I could swing on the chandelier. We got kicked out of the studio, though, for my son's education, because he's schooling. Oh. Actually, he wasn't even doing school today, because his school finishes at half two. But that's where all the musical instruments are. So maybe we have to move back into this actual studio. I can make music anywhere. Yo, check it. This is a healthy obsession. We're in the building. We'll start over. Boom. So we've, we've got a special guest on the back end of today's show. I was actually rapping onto that. No, no, you can't do that. Beatbox. You're ruining it. <laughs> we've got a special guest. John Arnold is on the podcast for the back end of the show today. So you're only going to have me and Tommy briefly for a bit of an introduction. You know, just talk the usual shites and uh, get, get into it with someone that actually knows something about football. He's so intelligent, like, just to listen to. Well, I, I know me, but John's on as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, we've got John Arnold, North American football expert on the show today. Specialist. Yeah, it's, he, he's a specialist. specialist. What are you a specialist in? Professional. Are you a professional? I'm professional in everything I do, mate. <laughs> I'm a professional at anything. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, how are you doing, mate? I'm very good. Yeah, yeah. you excited to be on the podcast? I'm very excited to be back on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Did so. you have a nice weekend? I had a nice weekend, actually. I'm nice, nice and fresh and yeah. good for a, up for a good week yeah, this week. You, yeah. you had some football? Uh, I coached some games, yeah. Did well, you? I did some scouting and then coached some games. And You're scouting for US soccer? Yeah, a little bit of that. Are you allowed yeah. to talk about that? I don't know if I am or not. Oh. Well, that's what I was doing, yeah. So, I did that for the girls' national teams and then... So, anyone that's an aspiring footballer out there, Tommy works for US soccer. <laughs> that's a shameless plug. You didn't have to oh, bring okay. that up. Yeah, of course. What did you bring that on for? Show off. Moving on. Yeah. But yeah, no, busy weekend. And then... Uh, Did you play any football? Didn't play any football. No. Didn't really watch any football. It was all coaching and <sighs> scouting. So yeah, Part of your job of being on the podcast is watching football. Again, you keep calling it a job, but I don't get paid. Checks in the mail. <laughs> the sent to the wrong address the sponsor dollars start flowing in once we get to 100 episodes ah, so we all get people 100 interested 100 episodes that's no, the threshold everyone listening is thinking this is going to 100 episodes and thinking oh god yeah they'll be like episode what are we on now 30 what are we on 31 or 70 something more to go yeah so episode 41 it'll be like you strangling me <laughs> <laughs> me chasing you around with a chair yeah it'll be like royal rumble yeah yeah. So wrestling again. I know. What is with the wrestling? You've got metaphors? wrestling buzz, you. 
I've not watched wrestling or even seen a wrestling highlight for years. I'm going to start just sending you like wrestling clips all week. Mine's wrestling, yours is pies. What everyone should do is tag Adam in like some weird wrestling videos. Can you, can you change my name to Hulk Hogan or like Ultimate Warrior? You still haven't come up with a good wrestling name, have you? No. Just, no, not yet. Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, the rebirth. So you're gonna be like turnbuckle Tommy, like up on the corner, up on the corner and jump it leaping off. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> it's got. It's not good, is it? How was your weekend? It was, it was so nice. Yeah, yeah. I played a lot of football. Actually, hurting today. Did you win? Uh, Friday we drew three each at six side. Small goal soccer's the league that we play in. I don't know if just drop that in there. Yeah. Yeah, Never heard smallgoalsoccer.com is where you can find all, all of your league needs. <laughs> where you can register and just type your credit card details in. <laughs> yep. Uh, so there's that. We drew three each on Friday night and Saturday morning. We got off to a bomb burner. 9-3 win. Return of the Celtic. New season. New season. Phoenix Celtic. Shout out Phoenix Celtic. Massive. Jungle. Massive. Jungle is massive. Uh, yeah, so we won 9-3. It was 2-2 for ages. And all of a sudden, goals just started flying in. It was 2-2 two, two, and then you won 9-2. 9-3. Any red cards? No, none. Not even a yellow. No one got booked. It was quite a tame game, to be fair. The other team, the other team I, I took the summer league off, so they didn't play during the summer, and we did. So we were clicking and playing, and you could tell what they're like. A few of the guys said to me they hadn't played football for six months. So I was like, yeah, you could tell. Like, there's a little bit of rust on there. wonder who set that first game of the season huh? up. <laughs> they, had, they had Team USA, Kenny McAvoy playing for them. Oh, there you go. Did oh. he score both goals? I scored one. Only one? Yeah, he scored one. I can't remember who scored the second. Second goal was my fault. Yeah. What did you do? I don't like heading the ball. because <laughs> I, I fra- <laughs> No, serious, serious story. I fractured my skull. Yeah. And I've, I've got metal uh, plates oh, in yeah. my cheek and my skull. So I get I don't like heading the ball because of like impact. It doesn't feel very oh, good. Feel yeah, yeah. So the ball's coming right towards me in the 18 yard box. I can't not head it. There's like a defender or one of their defenders right around waiting to head it. So I've got to head it. It's the worst headed clearance ever. Just drop straight to <laughs> <laughs> But to be fair, the shot, the sh- my head of the ball headed the ball down, the person shot and it ricocheted round the goalie. I feel so, like if you've got like metal plates, you, you could be like you could absolutely nut it miles. No, that's not, yeah. a, not the case. I, not- that was the first question to the doctor after the accident. <laughs> what can I get hit in the face with and not he said, feel? Nothing. I said, Does that make my head stronger or weaker? <laughs> he said, weaker. And then he said <laughs> and then he said, the only thing that's gonna happen, this change for you, is that when you go through the metal detector at the airport, it's gonna does it, it does. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And I have to explain to them. And then you have to go in the back and you do yeah, the whole search. Yeah, and, and they put their hand up my bottom. Spread your legs. Yeah. No wonder you keep flying everywhere. That's not even part of the search. <laughs> huh? <laughs> it's not right, is it? Yeah, let's just go to the airport. You've only got a flight. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get through security. It's the third time today, Adam. Yeah. No, I got a ticket. Uh, I left something by baggage. <laughs> yeah, so like, that's why I don't like heading the ball. But we won 9-3 anyway. Everyone's on good finishing form. Yeah, it's going to be a tough season, though. A lot of good teams in that division. Uh, yeah. We just won 9-3, but... Got, goal difference is good, then. Yeah, Dino's already got four. Ooh, in the golden boot race for the Phoenix Celtic. And Celtic won 4-0 on Sunday as well. So the club is flying. The, club, the, the club's flying. People are messaging, asking to play for the club. You're doing something right. Show your worth. Yeah, we got new hats in. Old hats. And we got new kits in this week. The kits came in? Not yet, but they're coming. They're coming. This week. Ooh. For this week's I'm game. I'm excited to see the kits. They look nice. Fantastic. Yeah. A Healthy Obsession sponsor. Shout out, A Healthy Obsession. 
Sponsor. Plug Central today, isn't it? Yeah. Should we talk about football before we uh, bring John on the show? Speaking about a lot of goals, mm. yeah. Premier League had a bunch of goals this weekend. It's a lot of goals. Defending. I, Spurs 1 5 2. A broken record with this shirt. Defending's dead. It's done. Is defending dead or has attacking got better? No, defending's dead. No one wants to defend anymore. Well, Virgil van Dijk's the best defender in the world. He doesn't like defending. Do you know what the problem is? I think there's so much emphasis on playing good football mm. that you play players who aren't as good defensively because you, you trade off the defensive attributes yeah. in order to gain some more attacking attributes. True story. So Very you, true. you bring in football in centre backs, which. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I get it, I'm okay with it. But. Why is everyone playing out of the back so obsessively? It's driving me crackers. Like Chelsea, Liverpool, so Liverpool beat Chelsea 2-0. Yeah. Kepa, who's £18 million goalkeeper, is trying to play a ball in the six-yard box to a guy on the penalty spot, instead, and Mane's bombing down on it. It's, like, just get it's, a, philo- it's a philosophy issue because the, the, there's almost like a bit of a... It's like a judgment, like are you if you play direct football now, you just play you play route one, it's ugly football, which if like Kepa, Tottenham. Like Tottenham, yeah. Mm. Mourinho. Yeah. No, but like if, if Kepa, do you see Spurs this weekend? We're unbelievable. Oh, get there in a minute. But, but, but the Kepa one, like what he gets paid to keep the ball out of the back of the net. Put your foot through it, send it, send it 70 yards. And, and imagine this, because Liverpool were high pressing, and that's what I don't get with this whole play out of the back thing. Because Liverpool, Liverpool, like you said, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool. I mean, they had seven or eight players within probably thirty yards of Chelsea's goal. They were high pressure. Mm. Why not go seventy yards and see what happens? Bypass the entire Liverpool team. If, if, if with one, one pass, if you can score with one pass, I'd rather score with one pass than take ten. It was, and the sending off was a shame because it was actually a really good game up until that point. The Christiansen sending off was ridiculous. Great tackle. What is he thinking? <laughs> Rugby tackle to awful, him. awful decision to make because Chelsea at that point in the game were on top. Yeah. They were, Liverpool were pressed back and Chelsea were starting to create chances. Timo Werner had a couple of chances. Liverpool, nah, listen, Liverpool obviously a good football team but they've started the season getting a little bit of the rub of the green. They got a penalty against Leeds yeah. in the last three minutes yeah. which was just a stupid decision by Rodrigo. Yeah. They've got bailed out by what Christiansen's done to go down to 10 men. You know, sort of riding their luck a little bit, aren't they? But, oh, good, good teams make their own luck or yeah, you got something cheesy you, like that. You need the rubber greens to be a top team. United had it for a decade watching me watching them, like yeah. goals going on off shins and Fergie time. balls. Yeah, yeah. Fergie, an extra minute here. Yeah. And like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, whether it's momentum or what. Do you believe in those cliches? Like, oh, it's, it's a sign of a good team when you play bad and win. Is that a sign uh, of a good team? Or is that a sign of a team that's maybe declining? Maybe the luck's running out sooner or later. I believe, I believe that defence wins championships. Yeah. Yeah. Defence wins championships. And I think some of the cliches are cliches for a reason. And I think the cliches are uh, cliches for a reason. Yeah. And I think that some of them hold true because, yeah, I mean, you have a bad game and win one nil away uh, wherever or you two nil. They weren't great against Chelsea. It was a good game, but honestly, Chelsea missed a penalty uh, yeah. and they, they equalised and they were probably worth a draw even yeah. at ten men. So, um, what's your what's your favourite cliche? Like funniest or like an actual? Just, well, yeah. both. Yeah, I think I think I like. Um, like just get it into touch if in doubt kick it out yeah, yeah, I, like I love that, that one that's, that's my favourite it's just funny if in doubt kick it yeah. out it's, a, it's just a, a funny one more it than anything most of our team are always in doubt because they're always kicking it out yeah no definitely so uh, your boys did well this weekend Spurs got a, a good result yeah finally turned it around yeah, kicked son, on Son's a good player I think oh he's unbelievable off but, to Barcelona but, but as good, <laughs> Real Madrid as, 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 good as, as good as he is mm. he, the service by Kane for all of his goals, was phenomenal. And uh, you forget that part about how good Kane is. Yeah. He's got the vision where he picks out passes. 
the, the fourth one, he didn't even yeah, look. He just played game. the space. It was unbelievable. It, it's, it's scary, I think, if I'm a Spurs fan, how overly reliant on those two. I know most teams are reliant on two. Yeah. But you saw it last season when they lost one and then you lost both, both of, them. of them. You're a different team. All of a sudden, and any team, as you lose your best two players, most teams yeah. will be like, oh, shit. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a massive difference. But I it's, two players but like it's that not just two players anymore, is it? Well, because yeah, because it's return of the, it's the rebirth, the prod, prodigal son returns. Boom, boom, boom. You say bail. Bail. Are you excited about it? I am excited about it. He's still got a lot to offer. It's a bit weird to celebrate a guy that was like your hero leaving, yeah. and then he comes back seven years later and he's a bit older, and you're like, yeah. why is it all such And he's barely but, played any football. But I think it was one of two things that happened. He's either going to come back and be absolutely phenomenal, right. and, and it'll be scary. Yeah. Or he's going to come back and be a bit of a bust. I think either way it will work out for Spurs because mm. if he's a bust, he's still on the pitch. Yeah. And if you're playing against Spurs with Son, Kane, and Bale, scary. You've got you've Dally got to you've got to pick, you've got to pick up all three. Yeah. And now maybe that just gives Kane an extra couple of yards of space here and there, where he's not taking all of the pressure, all the focus is on him. And and I think we'll score goals. Have you been watching All or Nothing? Yeah. Mourinho said something really interesting after you got beat by Chelsea last season, I think yeah. it was. You got beat back-to-back back by Leipzig and yes. Chelsea. And Mourinho gave everyone a bit of a bollock in. And he was pointing out, like, one thing that I really liked was, look, you, you should want to work for your teammates, not walk in and, yeah. like, get over there and help him. Yeah. And, and I, I thought, does that resonate with the players? The players think, like, I've got to help my teammate out. Or is it more... Selfish is that what makes and breaks a good team and a great team like Liverpool, yeah. where they're running 20 yards because they want to go and help their fullback out or whatever it is. 100%. That is like the difference. That. I think it's those small details add up over time, and that's that's chemistry. Yeah, that's what chemistry is for me. Definitely. I'm willing to run for you mm. when you're out of position, whereas teams that aren't successful. Maybe, maybe someone doesn't want to make that run. Maybe he's going to point his finger at you and say, You should have yeah. dealt with it, or you should have dealt with go it. Go get it. Dick yeah, it. and that's and that's why you lose 1 0, 2 1. and it adds up over time. Yeah, so and, and one of the other great games this week was Leeds, another bomb burner of a game. Like, they, they can't sustain this throughout a 38-game season, right? No I chance. Mean, that burns out. In my yeah. opinion, no chance. It's entertaining. It's they've, fuck, they've, it's brilliant. They've scored seven and conceded seven in two games. That's mental. 14 goals in two games. How did you get on in the... We do the pickums between the group. How did you get on? Did you enter? Yeah, did, did I you? enter? Did yeah. You? Were you in the bottom part? I had I had six. I had six. But the same as you. But I picked. I, I said there'll be twenty-eight goals. Yeah, everyone. But and there was did what, you know it was 40... like the joint highest ever goal count in the Premier League? <laughs> no, we really. Yeah, <laughs> joint highest. Madness. Yeah. I know. I, I got six. I, you know the one I balls up was um, City today. I, I put a draw. I thought. I fancied, really? I fancied Wolves. Yeah, fancied Wolves to get something out. Interesting. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I would have had seven. Baz still would have beat me on goals though. Oh no! You know what? We had exactly the same goal count. We Ooh, been split, the same you've been splitting the pot. Yeah, we've been splitting the pot. Anyway, so yeah, Leeds not sustainable for the, the course of the season. Not in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think there's any way they can keep that up. Um, I hope they do because it's entertaining. But I think even when they fatigue later in the season, it'll be fun to watch them still because they're, they're not going to change the way they play. So they might just get smacked around a few times. Yeah, so, but, so uh, it's, it's, it's Bales' like trait, right? That it's just... Like can't high, high press, high yeah. energy, all out. Work it makes for, the team. for great television. But he's, he's just not got enough depth in the squad because if he had, if he had a deeper squad, I think he could do it. But yeah. I don't think he can do it. Those players are going to burn out. Yeah, be real quick. And Premier League, the pace in the Premier League is faster than the Championship. Definitely. So these players stepping up are already stepping up yeah. and then trying to maintain. 
Yeah. Right now, they're buzzing on the excitement of being in the league. Yeah. Come 10 games, 15 games, 20 games, that's when it's a grind. Mm. Come Christmas, when they're playing back-to-back-to-back. Three to back games to back. a week. And, yeah, and, they're all, and they're all televised, and it's pressure. and it's yes. Yorkshire. Mingy. <laughs> yeah, horrible. <laughs> Rodrigo, who's just come off from not, uh, he's not having it, Valencia. Is he? Yeah, you've you got to go West Brom on Tuesday away, mate, on Christmas Day. <laughs> Wicked. I'm, I'm excited about yeah, that. Thanks for that. Yeah, definitely. So before we get into the show with uh, Johnny, uh, have you got a, a mid... No, it's not even a final thought. Is it like a mid-show thought? Have you got a mid-show thought for us this week? Well, I mean... No, you're just going to make up on the yeah, spot. Yeah, I was going to make up on the spot there, but no. All right, so... Have you got one? Yeah, I've got loads. Oh, look at him again. Uh, like, I'm, oh. I'm sort of, uh, you know, an expert in my own realm, so... What did you think about having... Uh, a, uh, <laughs> the, the fans the fans of the show seem to enjoy uh, having Johnny Kane on last week? Well, I thought it was very... I liked having a third man. Yeah, jo- Johnny Kane. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll gracefully move into the next portion of the show. <laughs> Tommy's just uh, Although, s- d- dropped a secret of uh, a lot. A lot, <laughs> a lot of people did bring up uh, the omission that we let him slip with the three-five-three. <laughs> Sheffield United three-five-three. Yeah, the three-five-three. Yeah, his. You know who is who the his biggest critic was his stepmother. She all over him. She said he sounds like a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> that was the messaging. <laughs> we'll bring him back just because of that. Yeah. Uh, well, and you like calling him Johnny Kane. I do like Johnny Kane. Because he's an Arsenal fan and he and, hates it. And since he's been on the show, Spurs are 100%. Yeah. So. Can Spurs win the league? Can Spurs win the league? Yeah. No chance. Um, no. Hello. Can Everton oh. win the league? Who? Everton. No, they can't. Uh, they look brilliant. They're top of the league right now as we speak. Yeah. 36 games to go. No, they can't win it. They can't win it. City will win it. So why didn't you prepare a final thought? Why are you so unprepared for your show? I thought I was more prepared for the John Arnold thing. Were you prepared for that? I was here for the preparation. Okay. Content meeting. It was a content meeting. We sound professional now. Yeah, well, you know, I've got the recording stuff down. (laughs) It's the only football podcast that's got, you know, a bit of grassroots feel. A bit of like the garage. You know, we're like a garage band who then turns into the Rolling Stones. Have you... Have you ever watched, um, what's the show? It's an English show. Oh, I can't remember. It's, it's a pirate radio station. Yeah, uh, People Just Do Nothing. People Just Do Nothing. Yeah. That, we're like that, it, yeah. the football pa- podcast. Pamela, Pamela said, uh, I, she called me that. You're like, we did the show, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Steve, MC Grinder. You're, you're MC Grinder. <laughs> yeah. I want to be Steve. Steve's. Yeah. Steve's, not the other one. Yeah, not DJ. The, uh, DJ, uh, I can't remember his name. That's what I was going to say. That I was going to say Goggle. The first DJ Goggle. Yeah. The first time we did the podcast, Pamela says you're MC Grinder. Grinder, MC Grinder. Bam! All right. Should we, garage we, radio station. Yeah. Well, I think spin off from this podcast. No, but I'm saying like a garage band like performs in the garage, and then you know, like the Beatles started in the garage. And we need some more musicians. So we no, but we start in the podcast is yeah. a garage podcast. But then it blows up, oh. and you know we're on the couch of ESPN with the LZ Obsession show. Fantastic. Yeah, and we leave everyone behind, and you know that's uh, that's the end of it. Nice. Yeah. Final thought. If it if it sounds, I'm not sure if the microphone's that sensitive, uh, but if it sounds like I'm panting, it's not me. Adam's dog has come in the room. <laughs> I'm not out of breath. I'm not knackered. It is. So, oh, we went hiking this morning. We did go hiking. Yeah, I'm still out of breath from yeah, that one. Yeah. Still high from that. I nearly died. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're going to get into the show with Johnny now. Uh, Johnny Arnold. Johnny, maybe doesn't like being called Johnny. John Arnold. John Arnold. He's professional, yeah, he's so professional. he's John. He actually knows what he's doing. Yay. We're bringing John Arnold onto the show. Thank you for listening. 
and it's half time, but now John's coming on. So listen, keep listening. Cherry pie, if you're listening. Cherry, oh, hey, hey, she pretended she that she pretended knew that. she knew what it was. Who gave us up? Though? I don't know. I think it was Doss. Yeah, I'm not into that. I don't like it. I called her out on it as well. I don't like that treachery. Yeah. Well, we'll see if she's listening again. All right. Cheers for listening. And second half is about to start. Bye bye. If we're going to do a soccer podcast, I'm probably going to have to like, it's been what, for whatever reason during the pandemic, my like barometer for what's going on in soccer has just gone. No, man, mine too. I mean, it's all, mine has coincided with going freelance, which means like, Mm -hmm. it it should mean, oh, I have time to sit on my ass and watch games, but it it hasn't, right? It means that I'm grinding out these like news and marketing pieces. And it's like, I have a game on in the background, but it's like, if you like, I had the Hoover game on in the background, right? But if you ask me like, how did McKinney play? Like, you know, I saw some highlights, but I, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to focus in on them. Like if I was working at goal full time and mm-hmm. I was going to write a piece on like, how did McKinney look or whatever, right. you know? So that combined with the fact that like, you know, like I said, like the game, like there's 13 MLS matches on Wednesday, 13 That's a lot. on Wednesday. So like you already probably have plans for your Wednesday. If you don't maximum, you're going to watch two games, right? If you're like a total nut, you're going to watch two games, but it's also going up against, I think NBA. And it's like, I don't know. It's just tough. Yeah, it's man. really, I think it's hard to follow this year and it could be even harder in the future because it's like the pandemic is going to make everything come fast and furious once there is a vaccine or once they say, okay, it's safe to, to kind of resume normal stuff is going to be nuts, which is good and bad for the sport fan, right? Because it's like, there's going to be stuff on all the time, but also mm. it's going to be hard to keep up with. So. Well, NFL is back as well, which isn't like that draws right. big audience, right? So yeah. we'll dive into where, where North American soccer is actually, you are the encyclopedia of it, my man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I think in MLS, you're looking at a couple teams that are really rising to the top. You're seeing the cream. I think start to rise with the Columbus crew in the East, the Philadelphia Union playing good soccer in the East. And then in the West, you've got the Seattle Sounders sporting. And you might call me a homer, but I think FC Dallas 100% is back. They've got the fewest losses. You know, they had, they weren't in the MLS's back tournament because of the, the COVID issues that they ran into. But you're looking at a team that has the fewest losses so far. They're looking good in points per game. And with that kind of cream rising to the top, I don't know what the opposite of that is. I don't know in the, when the cream rises to the top, what falls to the bottom? I don't, I don't know, but whatever it is, the, the San Jose earthquakes, the Chicago fire, that's them. They're not in a good place right now, which is interesting because, you know, Matias Almeida, the, the earthquakes manager, I respect him a ton. I think he's re- really well respected in his native Argentina. He's really well respected in Mexico where he won uh, the league in the cup with, with Chivas de Guadalajara, the, the CONCACAF Champions League as well. But for some reason, things are just not clicking there right now. Like I said, I'm a bit of an Almeida stan, if you want to use that word. So I still think maybe give him some time. He can get it turned around. I blame the roster. But the questions being asked about Almeida are certainly merited because the performances on the field aren't really holding up. So I think when you look at the domestic leagues, uh, or at least MLS, you know, that, that kind of that separation is occurring. And I think that the playoff picture is really starting to clear up. Yeah, definitely. And, and some of the, the big hitters from last the last couple of seasons seem to be struggling this season. So your LAFCs and Atlanta United seem to be having a bit of a hard time getting into a groove. What, why do you think that is? What do you think is the, the problem there? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that, that one of the biggest challenges when you're building the expansion teams, you know, they did the hard part, right? They started well, they became successful brands, they had big time players, they had coaches. I, I wonder if now people have circled those games on the schedule 
but also the, a lot of the wounds, especially in Atlanta's cases, are self-inflicted, right? You look at the coaching high up the board, that didn't work out. Mm. P.T. Martinez is signing. You know, I thought it was a decent signing, not necessarily a slam dunk, but he's a South American player. Of the year. You figure he'll work, but I don't know that he was given the best opportunity to succeed there. Then they wisely, I think, get a transfer offer, ship him off. And now you have a team that, you know, they're starting 11 even to a fan who watched their title run a couple years ago is almost unrecognizable. I mean, there's really not a lot of continuity there. You don't have a lot of carryover. And I think it's going to be on some of the leadership, both in the front office at Atlanta United and on the field to kind of carry that over. Because if you're going to create a true winning brand, uh, you're going to create a team that legitimately is a contender each year. There needs to be some kind of common thread. And I think they've lost a lot of that when Tata Martino took the Mexico national team job, when Miguel Almiron went to the Premier League. But in MLS, those are always going to be the realities. The successful players are going to be sold. The successful managers are going to move up. And if you hadn't put in the groundwork to have some sort of plan to carry that on, uh, I think, you know, there are there's going to be problems. So LAFC, I think they've had bad injury luck with Carlos Vela. I think Bob Bradley, you know, still being there really gives them a lot of credibility as well that they can kind of turn things around. But Atlanta, oof, uh, you got to worry. And their fan base that they built, that they wisely built, that they so so expertly built with their marketing, with winning on the field, they're demanding results because that's all they know and they're not getting them right now. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that's great. De- definitely expectation, man. Yeah, John. Sure. Long time no speak, man. I'm going to jump in real quick. I'm glad to talk to you, man. It's good to see you. <laughs> Been a while, man. My, I, I got two things for you. Num- number one, it's nice to actually finally be on a podcast with someone that knows something about football as opposed <laughs> to sitting and chatting with this goon here. <laughs> he, he, was, he was upset because my chat pre-coming pre on the call with you was who, if you had to pick someone to be your tag team partner from the world of football in wrestling, who would it be? And he was upset. He said, it's like, that's not what, like, it's not good football content. I said, that's great football content. Well, who's the pick? I haven't picked yet. I'm still mulling it. Who would you uh, pick? It was, a, it was last time. It was last time. He did grow up. Pick. He was big in um, jujitsu. That's what he, he used to be kind of a problem child growing up. Yeah, so they put yeah. him in jujitsu. And that's what they uh, kind of attribute to all his, uh, like kind of how nimble his feet are and how good he is at moving. I think I'd pick Roy Keane. Roy Keane. Roy Keane's terrifying. I like that. Yeah. Who would you pick? Vinnie Jones. Ooh, Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones is a good one. Bit of an actor though, isn't he? Like, no, but yeah. you need that in there. I mean, you, you think you'd, you'd get upstage because tag team wrestling, it's not like you don't need an actor in that situation. I'm not that's trying to true. denigrate true. the yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, quotation marks sport of, of wrestling i enjoy a good i've been to wrestlemania i've been to the royal rumble so yes. that's my that's my bona fides but uh <laughs> but I, you, you do need an you do need an actor you do need an actor yeah you, it's part of it it's like the show right so, so i'm that's why out, that's right? time because not only is last time you know look i mean his abs are, are definitely better than mine i'm keeping my my shirt on all the match you know i don't care if the fans are, are away, away, away. yeah you, you know you why could, i'm keeping it on look, but it's last time he's got his shirt off and he's energetic he's he's riling up the crowd he's maybe we don't win many matches because i think he's more of the heel but i still yeah. i still feel comfortable with him having my back you could actually see him being a pro like he'd be the wrestler. bad guy wouldn't he yeah definitely i could see that happening so anyway he's been giving me a hard time about that like this this sort i'm of- glad i derailed it by uh, immediately jumping into the question and answering see? it see, it's, yeah it's perfect conversation mate. well that that was that was kind of part one of my my introduction <laughs> part two is how much does it eat at you every time you hear Adam say the MLS? 
I think you know what one of the things that eases that for me is the is this this is the Spanish language because in Spanish you have to say the the adjective or the 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 uh, article before the before the word so I, I can forgive it I can forgive oh yeah that's yeah. The oh that's why he was doing it yeah I knew yeah. He, I knew you'd give him a way out yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks John oh, it's because your culture I'm just I'm just worried about our tag team battle now I can't <laughs> Side. It's a triple threat. Yeah, triple yeah. Threat. That's what we need. Uh, tri triple match, like cage match or something. We could take take I that Mexico me, me and, Lucha Libre. Me and Roy Keane would win. Mm. Well, let's sort it out. <laughs> there's something in that. There's there's a business idea in there somewhere. I, I don't I don't know if anyone could afford these types of names, but maybe we can get some other footballers. We brought John on to be the expert about football. We're talking about football wrestling. Love and, uh, it. This, this has been the problem with Tommy's <laughs> had with me is that the conversation easily derails into like food, football, like beers, pretty much anything, you know, anything <laughs> but football, wrestling, not football. <laughs> so, all right. So, and you mentioned a lot of eyeballs are looking at Europe right now. So some of the guys that are doing some big stuff in Europe. So give us a run through about the, the breakdown of the North American uh, lads that are doing some big stuff in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm, you couldn't find a bigger supporter and sort of chronicler, I guess, of the, of the domestic game than me, the local game. I'm the CONCACAF guy, et cetera, et cetera. But even fans in CONCACAF, I think, have all their eyes on Europe right now. For one, there's no international matches, which I think is what gets CONCACAF fans going more than anything else. Mexico is going to be playing a few here in the near future, hopefully for everyone, this friendly against Costa Rica at the end of the month happens. It'll be just domestic-based sides, which will be interesting, but uh, at least give something to, to build on. And then Mexico is going to be traveling over to Europe to take on the Netherlands. And they still are trying to get another game booked as of this recording. I don't know that it's over the line yet. They talked to New Zealand. They talked to Qatar. So there will be some international football. But the club game is certainly drawing in the North Americans right now. When you look at exciting debuts like Weston McKinney at Juventus, an American playing a club of that size, working in tandem with guys like Cristiano Ronaldo, being coached by a figure like Andrea Pirlo, whether that works out or not. When you're talking about those kinds of names, the kind of names that, that could be picked as your football wrestling tag team partner, I think that it's a very exciting thing for fans. And of course, that level just below, you're looking at Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig. Serginho Dest is, is a kind of a big transfer focus right now. But even if he stays in the Netherlands. He's not playing for a poor club at all. And Mexico fans as well have Raul Jimenez in great form at Wolves. He's picked up right where he left off from the Premier League restart, project restart, whatever that was called. He yeah. still looks like he's going to be in great form. Jesus Tecatito Corona at Porto won the Portuguese player of the league last season. He's another transfer uh, desire. You know, everyone wants to know where he'll go. But again, even if he stays at Porto, it's not like he's kicking around in the sixth division somewhere. These are guys that are playing at the top, top level. Even Irving Lozano had a really rough campaign with Napoli last season. He's, he gets a, some good quality minutes in at the start of their Serie A campaign. So I think when you look at North America, we can include Canada with Alfonso Davies, obviously starting for Bayern Munich and Jonathan David now starting at Lille. You know, these are big time sides and it's been a long time since CONCACAF could even point to one player that was playing other than Kaylor Navas who was playing at those types of clubs and now you're looking at six seven eight nine you know more of these players and not only are they playing at these clubs but they're young up-and-comers I think the future of the national team football on this side of the Atlantic being in the other side of the Atlantic right now is only great for the game and it's understandable that fans are so excited to watch those players in Europe at the best level. 
Yeah, definitely. And what is, is the supply line is it similar, do you think, between the US and Mexico right now, just as far as the actual production of these players? Because you've named quite a few players there, and it sounds like there's a good balance between the US and Mexico for the players going abroad, which wasn't always the case for Mexico, I don't think, right? Like, yeah, players it's go still not. Players. It's still not with the young players. You know, I, I wrote a column a year ago that got a lot of you know, interesting comments on the Reddit. I'll leave it at that. Uh, and some <laughs> tweets coming my way that weren't exactly complimentary. And what we'll I said dig, was we'll that Mexico... Go and find those. Yeah, it won't be hard to find. You can just Google John Arnold asshole, you know, and then, and then <laughs> don't click images. Don't click images. But you can click the Reddit. If you click the Reddit thread, it'll pop up for sure. Um, the, but but the, the, I wrote that the U.S. kind of supply line that you say, mm. the Mexico needs to watch out because America is open to that, right? We talk about the MLS clubs. They're happy to sell to Europe. Mexico, that hasn't always been the case, and it's not the case right now. Even their most kind of recent prize player that go over, Eugenio Pistuto, who went to Lille as well. He's still injured. He hasn't made his debut, uh, but formerly of Pachuca. He, had to, he waited until he was on a free, and then he signed. A lot of these players are not signing contract extensions because they want to go to Europe, but the Liga MX clubs are still very reticent, very hesitant to sell. So what does that result in? That results in a dozen or so American players who are either – in the first team or in the youth divisions of some of these top, top clubs, and not as many young Mexican players who are up and coming, right? Raul is about to be on the wrong side of 30. Tecatito is getting up there as well. Lozano's still a young player, but he'll be in his prime sooner than those guys that we're mentioning, you know, Alfonso Davies, Weston McKinney, et cetera. So you're looking at a Mexico that I think Tata Martino wants his players to go abroad and challenge themselves, but understanding the kind of reality where the domestic clubs still want to pay a lot of money to have these guys on the team to market them well and to get a big payday quite frankly when they feel like they should get it but that's not always how the market is going to work you know sometimes clubs have to kind of uh settle for maybe a sum that's a few million short of what they would want to especially right now in the pandemic situation right so It'll be fascinating to watch and see if there's more movement now. You know, like uh, J.J. Macias of Chivas is a player who Real Sociedad has been linked to heavily, other uh, heavy links, but he's still out there for Chivas for now. So I think he'll be an interesting kind of test case of where the mindset is at for Liga Mekis owners in this pandemic. Is that going to change things? Are they going to be more open to selling players? And quite frankly, is the Federation going to start to put more pressure on those owners to sell because while you do want a good product of the domestic league and Liga Mekis is certainly the strongest domestic league in the region in part because they keep their young talent. You also at some point have to recognize that the national team development will be stunted if you don't have these young players in Europe. So I think my prediction was maybe a year too early, but I do think the U.S. at the very least, I'm not saying they're going to catch them on the field, but at the very least they're going to get past them in terms of where the stars are playing. And I think that probably bears itself out on the field at some point in the not too distant future. Interesting. No, it's exciting. I think, uh, especially on the U.S. front, with all this young talent abroad playing at the top level, that's that's going to pay off in three, four, five years at the major events. Uh, I think the U.S. the the trend that they're building in a direction that could be really exciting in a couple of years. So it's it's kind of fun to watch that right now for me because I think for a couple of years the U.S. national team has been a little bit stagnant, and all of a sudden it's accelerating pretty fast. So especially yeah, with a lot of youth easy. guys coming through. It's easy to get excited, right? I think that, you know, there are some people in the U.S. soccer community that are maybe a little too excited. They say, let's throw out Josie Altidore. Let's throw out, I don't want to see Michael Bradley ever again. And it's like, 
but we do need some guys who have been there before who understand right. what world qualifying means who who you know quite frankly i don't know anyone that can that can still fill josie altador for instance his boots right now i don't see a player at the number nine role who i think when he's healthy is better but you know i understand the enthusiasm i think it's easy for fans to get excited just because you know it is a fun group of young players. They are playing at teams that we're not used to seeing Americans play at or Canadians play at in the case of Davies and David and some of the other players that are coming up there. So, you know, I think there's been a bit of overexcitement too. Uh, you know, for instance, I wouldn't chuck Josie Altador out of the side quite yet. I wouldn't say that I never want to see Michael Bradley play for the U.S. team ever again, but it hasn't been a lot of fun for U.S. fans to watch the U.S. national team for a few years now. And there's definitely that feeling that this cycle and certainly the next, that fun that I think accompanied that, that really made a lot of U.S. fans get into the game in the first place is going to come back and with it the winning or maybe it's vice versa. So it'll be fascinating to watch this, this evolution happen. And listen, I'm not saying that Mexico leave them for dead either. They still have a ton of talented players. There are guys like Macias who's good enough to play in Europe today if he were given the opportunity. So that North American battle in CONCACAF I think is going to be a lot of fun and should be quite competitive, not only next year, but maybe the next decade. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of, where, where are we at with uh, qualifying and, and things like that? What's, what's going on with the teams right now? Yeah, CONCACAF unveiled sort of a very ambitious plan that was going to start in October. They since have said, ah, you know what, with the COVID pandemic, we're pushing everything back to March 2021. The teams in that round, the teams that are not part of the top uh, five in the CONCACAF uh, FIFA rankings, they play, are going to play four different games, not home and home, just four different games that have already done the draw. That'll be in March. The winners of that, those groups, will then play each other, essentially. And that will make, instead of a hex final round, it will be an octagonal final round. So again, we bring back the fight sports theme. This is going to be like MMA. There's going to be eight <laughs> sides, eight, te- eight directions, I guess, eight teams that are going to be part of the final round. And, and if everything goes to plan, which uh, so far 2020 has told us it won't, but if everything goes to plan, we're going to have a traditional hex home and home uh, round robin, but with eight teams instead of six. So you're looking at the U.S. and Mexico not playing a competitive game right now until summer of 2021 unless the nation's league final four happens which they do want it to in march of 2021 at a site to be named in the united states so that'll be putting the bow on the nation's league while other countries are starting their world cup qualification campaign and then those kind of power nations if you want to call them that they'll join every we'll see who's able to get through but once world cup qualifying starts it should be quite fascinating there's also still a gold cup program for next summer so uh, we'll see if that happens. I have my doubts. I think qualification is going to get the priority at some point, but there's a gold cup draw coming up soon. The U S and Mexico actually will be drawn into groups instead of assigned like they have in the past. So all that to say 2021 could be, and we hope will be an enormous, enormous year for everyone in CONCACAF, but certainly teams like the U S Mexico, Canada, et cetera. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting time for, for those countries. It sounds like even uh, Canadian soccer, we, we touched on it last time you were on the show, was uh, in their league. I'm not sure, is their league functioning right now? Are they running? Yeah, they did. Uh, they call it the Island Games. They, they went out to, uh, to one of the island uh, provinces and they, they did a tournament. So they kind of did an MLS's back tournament. The winner of that is going to face the winner of 
Canada's MLS kind of round robin as well in this first phase of, of the return to play oh, for cool. Canada's spot in the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, so it should, it should be kind of interesting. So the yeah. domestic game is rolling there. It was their sophomore season in the Canadian Premier League. So uh, I think that's another opportunity for growth and player development for Canada and, and should, again, be really exciting. And not just Canada, you know, the Haitian centre-back duo is they're both playing in the CPL. There's some Trinidad and Tobago internationals. So you really are getting sort of a cross-section of the region in, in a lot of the lower leagues in North America, not just USL, not just the CPL, and not just the uh, Liga de Expansión in Mexico. So uh, all sorts of things happening. And, and like I said, I mean, it, it really is going to be an incredibly busy time in 2021 or, or whenever we're able to safely gather again. Yeah, it's re really interesting and uh, exciting to get some international football back as well. Because as you guys have said, it's, there's so many players to be excited about, and in Mexico and the US and Canada, sound like they're doing their thing as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and don't forget about, you know, some of the kind of quote-unquote smaller countries, right? You know, that's what my newsletter is dedicated to, although I do a lot of coverage of the big ones as well. But, you know, Costa Rica's not going anywhere. They still are going to have Kaylor Navas at the back. Curacao, now coached by Goose Hiddink, although that went down in sort of <laughs> questionable circumstances. You can check my newsletter for an interview with the guy he replaced, who, he, who found out he was being replaced by the same tweet that I found out he was being replaced from. So oh, wow. he wasn't... He wasn't too happy. Uh, you can read, again, you can, you can read the newsletter over on, uh, on, on it's called Getting CONCACAF. If you search or you find me on Twitter, you can, you can read that interview with him uh, about what it felt like to find out from a tweet that he was getting replaced by Goose Hiddink and, uh, and, and even some feelings of betrayal because he had sought out uh, Hiddink in the past. Anyway, all that to say, there's all sorts of stuff going, around, uh, going on around in the region. And, and I think it's going to be uh, really, really intense once the ball gets rolling again. We're all fingers crossed that it's going to be sooner rather than later and hopefully in March as scheduled. I think you've just given Adam an idea for how to fire me from the Team USA 6v6 job. <laughs> Let's keep my eyes on Twitter. That, that's, it, it, can I just do that for all my staff from now on? Yeah. You're fired. Yeah, not saying anything. Yeah, You're fired and at their hand. Yeah. The, the problem is he has to line up a replacement who you've heard of that he can announce with the photo <laughs> because then, it, then, then the nail's in the coffin. That John, John, do you fancy your hand at coaching the USA? No, no, no. Listen, I always say the first thing I would do if someone gave me a coaching job is resign. No, thank you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle the pressure like Tom. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, – it's not the easiest job in the world being a coach, is it, Thomas? I like it. It's fun. Yeah? It's fun, mate. All right. Yeah. All right, I'll give it a try. Sorry, Tom. You're up. We'll bring you in, John. Tom's out. The, wa the wages are awful, but it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, you can't fire someone that's not actually hired. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> You're not actually employed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so bring it back domestically a little bit. We've got a, a bit of a plug for next week's show. We've got Adris, who's one of the founders of Oakland Roots, is going to be on the show next week. So uh, something interesting happened with Oakland Roots this week. They've moved over to the USL. So for anyone that doesn't know the USL, John, you want to give a quick description of that and kind of the transition Oakland have made this week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, USL, sort of the, the, well, they've got a pyramid, essentially, although there's no promotion or relegation. Although I think on one of your previous podcasts, Adam, you talked about the, the possibility of that potentially happening in the future. Mm. But you look at the, the second division, to me, you know, with Mexico's confusion of what it's doing with its second division, the USL championship could just kind of slide into the mantle of strongest second division in CONCACAF region. Um, some really good teams, professional, the, the checks clear on time, which I know sounds like a kind of silly thing, but you know, in a lot of the, the, the leagues that some of the guys who end up coming to USL have played in, in the past, that's not necessarily the case, right? So uh, a very professional, well-run league and in, in, in huge markets like Phoenix, where you guys are sitting, uh, you know, 
Louisville, Memphis, and now Oakland, the roots taking a step and choosing to, to go from NISA to the USL. It's a club that's generated a lot of buzz both on and off the field. I think that they've you know, put together good teams that really represent Oakland well, but culturally have become very relevant. You look at some of the, their gear that's been worn by NBA players and, and, and kind of cultural tastemakers because they've done such a good job really having it represent Oakland, really having the club represent Oakland, now have Oakland, uh, you know, not San Francisco, not the Bay Area, but Oakland uh, truly represented in the league, I think is a, another big step where they can say, hey, we're on the level of these cities like the ones that I mentioned and some of the other kind of uh, bigger powers in USL. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch and you'd have to bet that they'll be successful just because of the front office success that they've had in the past. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to follow USL. I think some of that that minor league feel that, that we've gotten, gotten from baseball from so long in the United States exists where teams aren't necessarily taking themselves too seriously, but that doesn't extend to the field because they do want to get wins. They're all about uh, chasing titles and, and it's not necessarily uh, only serving for player development, although that's another component. So Oakland, for me, from the outside looking in, seems like a very welcome addition to USL. Yeah, it's, uh, the USL is a, it's a massively growing league and it's a little... I tend to find myself following maybe more USL soccer at times than MLS at some points because um, of some of the cool projects that are going on. I guess, what, what would you say the big draw is in the USL? What, what is, what, why is it growing so quickly? What do you think is the attraction to it? To me, it's community. I think that a lot of the clubs have done a really good job becoming relevant in their markets. And that is attractive, obviously, to the local fan, but also to the fan from abroad, right? If I know, and obviously the pandemic has, has put a pause on a lot of this, but if I, if I pull up my app on ESPN Plus, and I know I can flip over to Phoenix, I know I can flip over to Sacramento, I know I can even go down to League One and flip over to Madison and see a full, full stadium, you know, a football game that looks like it should with, a, with an increasing quality of play certainly to me still hasn't matched the MLS quality of play yet, but I think is certainly growing and certainly getting better with some of the international additions that have come into the league with some of the domestic talent that is, is growing from some of those markets and places like San Antonio. Uh, you know, I think that that's a huge, huge plus, but I think that community feel the U.S. is a huge country, right? We have big, big cities and it goes far beyond New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, right? There are, there are cities that are important and, and relevant that are not, the biggest cities necessarily. So I think that the, the becoming relevant in those markets, USL teams have really done well. And I think that's, that's some of that attraction, right? Is that community feel that in Phoenix, it feels like people do care what happens with Phoenix rising in El Paso. People do care what happens with locomotive yeah. in Louisville. People do care what happens to loose city. And I think that that's a huge thing that is missing in a lot of MLS markets because, you know, I'm in Dallas. People don't necessarily care about FCB in Colorado. I don't think people care about the Rapids, yeah. but uh, and then there's examples of that in USL as well, where teams kind of fly under the radar and maybe aren't as beloved. But I think that community feel and the civic engagement has been what's really been the calling card for USL and makes it uh, compelling. Yeah, I think in those in those smaller towns, in the major cities, you, you compete with all the other major league sports, where in the smaller cities, that it gives the local community something to own, something that it represents us, right? So I think that's pretty cool. And I think another, you know, I think, Coming back to kind of the soccer side of things, I think a cool thing with USL, Major League Soccer, I think you can probably speak for this, has a lot more of an international roster feel now. There's a lot more players coming from South America um, and, and maybe not as many opportunities for American-based players as there used to be, where I think now those players can have that opportunity in USL, which again, deepens the American talent pool, keeps those players who maybe come out of college and stop playing 
in the game and they can play at a decent level and, and potentially develop further from there. So it's kind of a cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're even seeing even younger than the, than the college guys, right? Some of the, the academy products are ending up finding homes in USL or they're on loan from a, from a MLS side to USL. You know, the alumni list in some ways speaks for itself. You know, Alfonso Davies at the top of the list, right? Yep. Because of a partnership with MLS, but mm -hmm. played for the, the Vancouver Whitecaps USL team for, yep. for, for many games for pretty much an entire season. That was like my late night, you know, viewing. I turn off the lights and, and watch Alfonso Davies uh, on the <laughs> internet stream. So, you know, my girlfriend was like, what are you watching? And I'm like, no, it's not what it looks like. It's dirty, it's filthy, but it's just, it's just a really good, it's a really fast left winger. So uh, now he's a left back and he's playing in one of the best clubs in the world. But yep. no, I, I think that talent production pipeline is absolutely in place. And, and again, should be another thing that they use to kind of market themselves as almost a cycle in that in that local community if there's a kid from your hometown who's tearing it up or you're like oh my gosh this guy's the future you're going to come out and watch him and, and everyone else is too and then then if he gets sold on there's still that pride in community and it's just a circle right so i think that they've done a good job emphasizing that player development side of things and yeah some of the u.s guys who are 23 24 25 who are good enough to keep playing professionally Maybe they're not ever going to make the national team, but there should be a role for them. There should be a job for them or finding that place in USL too. So um, just before we let you go, what does that do to the, the soccer pyramid though? So uh, USL sucking a lot of clubs in, right? So uh, NISA have, Oakland Roots have been playing in NISA. So they're coming over now. And I think there's a few other clubs that have moved from different leagues into the USL. So what is this doing for like the grassroots portion of the US and the soccer pyramid at larger? Yeah, I've been interested that Nice has also partnered with some of the local leagues that have traditionally been part of like an NPSL or some of the other affiliations, you know, the Gulf Coast League down here where they have clubs in places that maybe even are too small for USL when you look mm -hmm. at like a Jackson, Mississippi or a Mobile, Alabama. Uh, but those places, again, why not have great football there? Why not have it be part of the community? Why not have, you know, uh, the best coaching possible to try and develop that talent there? You know, Clint Dempsey's from Nacogdoches, Texas. There's no reason to think that the next great, you know, even Christian Pulisic's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. There's mm -hmm. some interesting factors there, right? It's not like you're just going to be able to pull any random kid from any random city in the U.S., coach him up and have him be a superstar. But there's no reason to think that there couldn't be a great player that ends up playing for the clubs in these in these cities. So I think that that NISA, you know, partnering with those leagues that have had some momentum in their in their communities, I think, is a good thing. Um, I guess, you know, I understand that like politically there's, you know, fans of good clubs in that league or fans of that league in general are going to, ah, oh, I can't believe Oakland Leafs did this or why do people care so much about USL or why is this getting buzz? You know, they were just as relevant in our league as in, I don't care. I just want to see as many successful local projects as possible. And I, I want us all to be pulling in the same direction. And I think we're kind of as close as we can be to that because those politics, those political realities do exist as far as uh, leagues want to control things and teams want to be in this league and they, they do or don't want to have this sort of travel schedule or what have you. So I wish the best to Nisa, you know, Peter will a, a kind of godfather of many clubs is involved with another project in Chicago. Great. I hope it goes well, right. We could definitely use more talent there. We can use more people getting engaged. The fire haven't always been relevant there. I think the more the merrier is, I guess what I'm trying to say in a complicated way is that if you have these, these clubs and they're they're still financially viable uh and they're still able to develop talent then great and i'm not really that concerned about what league they're in uh, i just think the more the merry and the better the better uh, 
the better U.S. soccer can get. It does complicate the pyramid. You're right, Adam. I mean, I think that we really do see USL taking a stranglehold on that position that they're in, you know, as the kind of top second division and top third division. And then it gets a little muddied from there. But um, yeah, I, I think that they're kind of the, the winners of this. They've run themselves in an interesting and, and thoughtful way in the last few years. And uh, I think that's why you're seeing the growth that we just talked about. Yeah, no, it makes, makes sense. And it, it, like, as you said, it's exciting to see anyway, just the, the growth of the leagues and the sport here at large is kind of the common goal, I think, that everyone's trying to achieve, whether that's amateur leagues all the way up to semi-pro and pro-level leagues. So it's, it's good to see just more interest spiking and more organization. So, John, it's been amazing having you back on anyway, mate. So we'll get you back on soon, talk some more wrestling, some more you know, <laughs> North American football and lots of other subjects that Tom probably won't approve of me talking about. I'll wear my tights. I can't wait. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah, it's been great talking to you, Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.